on sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Twas the Sunday before Christmas and all through our Fab Tardis. Not a microphone was open, though there's one recording this. The lights were still blinking, the mixing desk was still there, but Vision on Sound was recording elsewhere. For the seasons come round, as it does every year, for our tellies to be humming with tinsel garnish head good cheer. And in our little programme, we'll look back on past times, in the present, for the future. Not all of it in dodgy rhymes. Let's crank up those time engines, take a trip into the past, and talk about Christmas telly on our radio broadcast. So, where have we ended up this time? Ah yes, it seems that, once again, dear listener, tis, as they say, the season for festive thoughts, for fun and frolics, great big copies of the television guide, terrifying jumpers you wouldn't want to be seen dead in at any other time of year, jingle bells, reindeer, and jolly overweight men with beards and red suits blocking your flu, and, of course, perfectly ordinary television programmes disguising themselves with all the festive trimmings and heading out with a hearty ho, ho, ho. Familiar characters you know and love or loathe will suddenly start wearing those pullovers I mentioned and perhaps the kind of peculiar headgear that they would never countenance in any other episode and find themselves discovering long-lost relatives that they can sentimentalise over before never bothering to see them again. Or they might find themselves heading off on some quite out-of-character-and-season holiday to an exotic location simply because they've been given more money in the budget to play with and the production team fancy a bit of a break from filming in the cold and the wet of the home counties. In July, the Christmas special episode may have lost some of its impact in recent times, but they are still being made and stories about their specialness are still grabbing those headlines even today. But I maintain that there is a certain weirdness in the age of the binge watch when you find yourself suddenly presented with the year's special Christmas episode when you're working your way through a series at the height of summer. And to be honest with you, at any other time of the year other than Christmas, I really can't quite get the hang of watching all the fake snow multitudinous Santa Claus outfits being worn and all of that sweet saccharine sentimentality being spouted by otherwise hardened cynical detective types just because it's Christmas. That said, I do have a kind of strange fascination with the American TV idea of a Christmas episode in any and all of their long-running series like crime series or medical dramas or long-running sitcoms. In some shows... You would only know it because there are a few decorations scattered around in otherwise drab and dreary offices that normally do all they can to uphold the myth of the corporate dream, and that's fair enough, I suppose. After all, in a workplace-driven society, a lot of people's experience of the festive season is basically much the same as every other time of the year, but with added bits of shrubbery, tinsel and twinkly lights, perhaps with those odd dashes of alarming headgear and other clothing choices I mentioned, and perhaps the odd night knocking back too much alcohol in a bar you'd never normally go to with people you'd rather not be forced to spend any more time with than you absolutely have to. But work life in Tellyland is very different. Not least because a telly Christmas is really the idea of an ideal sentimentalised American Christmas with lots and lots and lots of stuff being bought that nobody really wants or needs, far too much food for the average colon to possibly be expected to cope with, and once that commercialism is out of the way, lots and lots of the sorts of values on display that seldom manage to manifest themselves otherwise throughout the rest of the year, in either the real world or in the average serial killer of the week yarn. I've lost track of the number of times that otherwise hard-bitten cynics, who are usually quite respectable really, suddenly display an uncharacteristic softer side and God help us crack a smile or shed an artistically discreet tear just because of some peculiar office interaction or event that would otherwise have them growling into their disposable coffee cup. 
I've also lost track of the number of abandoned or lost babies that get left on office or apartment doorsteps, somehow trigger an allegory of the nativity scene before being miraculously reunited with someone or other, or the sudden miracle of that American cure all sudden wealth turning up to instantly resolve far more long-standing problems, or yet another retelling of the nativity or Scrooge or It's a Wonderful Life with the regulars playing their allotted part in a slightly rewritten retelling to suit their particular format, and all of it done while the wailing of a mournful melodious retake on a Christmas classic haunts the soundtrack, accompanying a cleverly edited montage, all of which is just enough to cause a lump in the throat or for grown adults to suddenly find they appear to have something in their eye. So often there is a story of bonding where before there was none, and everything is designed to ensure the preservation of that most sacred of holy trinities of the American family, mom and apple pie. Even if it's a workplace family, as these shows often really are, where everybody on the credits really has nowhere better to be on Christmas Eve, because even amongst the most dedicated professionals, for whom normally neither snow, nor sleet, nor hail, nor character actor in a red suit and unconvincing beard, would prevent them from doing their jobs. After all, how many of us would really want to spend our Christmas with the people we work with? And then there are the stories involving the orphans, always the bloody orphans, or those sudden unexpected reunions, or that moment when, despite nobody having a free moment, a cast member will cross continents on suddenly available flights to be with the people it was impossible to be with not 30 minutes earlier, or despite all the shops being closed, beautifully wrapped gifts magically appear. It's a peculiar phenomenon, and somehow they keep on coming back to those familiar tropes, and Lord help us, we continue to lap it up, and let's face it, we love it. No wonder they can get away with putting on Christmas films in September these days. For a great many of us, this year is going to be so different because of our own personal situation, and I imagine that given the national and international situation, much of what might have been expected to fill our screens might not be there, and for once, even the broadcasters might be ferreting around trying to find things to entertain the masses as our digestive systems wheeze and groan with the excesses of the day. Meanwhile, with just a few days to go, this is our last vision on sound before the day itself, so we might as well get in on the act with our own humble, festive offering. Meanwhile, back in Manchesterford, Sandy's back with me, and we're uh, going to talk about all things Christmas telly. Uh, once I can get this, whatever it is, out of my eye. Um, <laughs> so, happy Christmas. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello, Sandy. <laughs> What's happening, Martin? God knows. Tis the season, Sandy. Tis the season. The season to be... Tis the season to be fair. I notice you've got your antlers on. And, oh yes, um, exciting, exciting jumper. Very little else. <laughs> well, that's why you need the jumper. It's a, it's yes. a chilly old day. Still, you know, all the old chestnuts roasting on a on a on an open um, on, on an open Dick, what's it? Dickensian fire. <laughs> I, I thought we might as well attempt to talk about some uh, Christmas television. Yeah. So, so what's um, happening, Martin? <laughs> what's happening? Well, we're going to try and talk about Christmas. All right. Um, I tell you, we we had a plan, didn't we? We had a plan. Yes. That we were going to try and uh, watch the Blackadder, uh, Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Yes. And that turned into an absolute ordeal. <laughs> because yeah. despite the fact that I was convinced it was widely available, <laughs> it was suddenly nowhere to be found for you. And, and that's, yeah. kind of, that's kind of annoying. It's, it's one of those things, actually, and it's one of those things I'd like to do on another episode, if we may is I wanted to talk about building... Well, I know it's a bit sort of old hat now, but if you were building a comedy collection, yeah, where would you start? And I thought that might be an interesting thing. So I... But, but Blackadder is one of those things that I kind of assume that everybody's got. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there was this whole idea of tr perhaps doing it as an online thing with our follower, our, our listener. Yes. But uh, it, that's... Uh, as, as we are still quite new, we've not got quite that influence yet. So maybe no. next year... Maybe next year we'll try and do something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the moment, it's you and me. Um, right. And did you manage to watch Blackadder's Christmas Carol? <laughs> I have. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah, there's there, there's never been the opportunity to watch as much television yes. as we have at present. Indeed. Unfortunately, the problem is if you don't physically 
own a copy of something, mm. then uh, tracking it down can be uh, can be quite uh, interesting. Bit of a challenge, shall we say? There used there used to be that there used to be that pile of videos that you had. Yes. Perhaps still have in your case, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're in boxes. You can see the boxes <laughs> behind. <laughs> Having seen the background on your. Uh... <laughs> Your, uh, your, works, your workspace there. That's why I have the curtain up. It, it yeah. hides, the, hides the excesses. And, uh, you know, you kind of you you went to your, your pile of videos and uh, found the the thing. Mm. And if, if if it wasn't there, then you couldn't really watch it. No. Well, it's interesting actually. A few weeks ago, I can't remember who it was. I think it was the, the film researcher, and what he was saying was that. When he, I think he does lots of stuff about horror films. I can't remember his name yeah. off the top of my head, but he he was saying that the thing about having physical media is that he can always go and get that film off the shelf if he yeah. needs to watch it for his articles that he's writing. And what you find now is you think it's on. I mean, I, this is what I thought with uh, Blackadder. I thought it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. so I thought it was. And I know you, I know you had access to that, so I thought, oh yeah. well, that'll be easy because that's what I watched it on last Christmas. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the shelf and it's not there, and or sorry, when you go to the electronic media and it's not there, suddenly yeah. it de- it depends on what platform you've got. Sometimes because they shift platform. I, mean, I imagine yeah. Black had leapt across to um, Brit Britbox. So I imagine it it left leapt across there. Although I think since you actually managed to get a copy, hasn't it now turned up on yeah, on iPlayer? <laughs> I think it's turned up on the iPlayer again. Yeah. Because this was the whole thing. I had this idea that this is something that everybody will have access to. So yeah. we could do a nice big tweet along. It wouldn't cause anybody any problems. And the first thing you have to do is you have to go out and buy a <laughs> So that, that plan went well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the right book. And I've got friends who are members of uh, the disc hiring thing, which yes. used to be Love Film right. and is now Cinema Paradiso. Okay. So you can get discs in the post. Mm. And obviously, if I was a member of Cinema Parody, so I could have gone and got the disc in the post. Yes. But um, right. funnily enough, it's one of the things I'm not a member of, is the old Cinema right. Parody. So, however, you know, you get the disc, you watch it, and you send it back, and, you know, you get you can have four discs for a month for kind mm. of six quid or something like that. Yes. But for six quid, you can buy a lot of DVDs <laughs> <laughs> that you keep, and then you go, "Oh, I want to watch that again," mm. and it's you know, it's kind of it's it's physically there, and yeah, the kind of uh, the the variety of stuff in these. Uh... Oh, you're old school though. Uh, we were watching over the weekend one of the um, sewing channels. Don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> but the chap there, on there, there are was... more than one. There are more than one. Well, we're the only one we've got. But the point is that the chap on there was talking about films and and, and going out and buying discs, and all the people were, were texting in, going, "Oh, you're so old school. You're so old school." And I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm quite fond of physical media. I still am, really. Yeah. I mean, a few of them have rotted. <laughs> let's be honest. But yeah. I do. One of the things. One of the joys of before lockdown and before things was was trawling a charity shop and trying to find an absolute bargain of an old tv series yeah. you know? mm-hmm. but there we go so um it's a, it is old-fashioned i mean the same way that i mean hanging onto your vinyl suddenly oh you know i mean i, I could be gift wrapping them now for christmas <laughs> people would think i'd spent a fortune think no it's my dad's yeah. old my dad's old herb albert <laughs> so anyway yes black adder black adder Black Adder's Christmas Carol. It yes. was first broadcast in 1988, which yes. makes it 32 years old on December the yep. 23rd, 1988. And um, I think it was a bit of a surprise for Black Adder fans because he t- he starts out nice, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> it's Christmas Carol in reverse. In reverse, which I think is is a very interesting way of doing it. Yeah. The interesting, I think, is an interesting format because you still get all the bad Black Adders. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or most of them. Yeah. But you we, also get this different take on it, which which yeah. starts with that wonderful Scroogean humbug, humbug. Would you like humbug? Yes, <laughs> I think it's, it's just a, a nice touch. And then there's that whole there's a wonderful gag about getting all the letters wrong in the Christmas. Yes. <laughs> oh dear and me. He, and he, he, I mean, he he pulled out all the stops on the cast for that one. Because, mm, you know, absolutely. he had all, all the kind of uh, the major characters from the, the first three series, because obviously mm. at that point, Blackadder goes forth. Was it still a, a dream, a twinkle? Hadn't gone forth. And, yeah. you know, the wonderful uh, Miriam Margolis and mm. Jim Broadbent. Oh, yes. As uh, Queen Prince Victoria. Albert. 
um, yes. from Talbot. Um, yeah, Miranda Richardson, who is oh, consistently... I mean, she is one of the highlights of uh, Blackadder for me. Yes, yeah. I believe it was actually... They started repeating it on Saturday night, the second series, the, right. uh, the Elizabethan one. Yeah. I do think the Elizabethan one is actually the one, possibly the most popular. It certainly made the most impact. And of course, has the wonderful Rick Mail as Flashheart. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which is uh, great. But uh, the thing about Blackadder 2 is... Uh, did you, did you, did you, presumably you saw the original, the first one, The Blackadder, the medieval yes. one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was huge budget. <laughs> <laughs> and the the last that's the one with Brian Blessed. Fabulous. I mean, I, yeah. I love it personally, but mm. but it when they bought it back, they halved the budget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell. But actually, they halved the budget and doubled the jokes, and it seems yes. to work. Very, mm-hmm. And it became, I think, actually, it was that that second series that sort of made it this much loved thing. And it's yeah. a fabulous, it's a fabulous sitcom format because when you think about it, there's no it's like lots of sit. Or you know, it's always the same sit, but this yeah. changes changes the mixture every time, and I just yeah. think that's an mm-hmm. excellent way of doing it. There are certain key jokes that kind of go right through the uh, all. Oh, the cunning plan. <laughs> yes, that one. Yeah, yeah you know the, the relationship between uh, Blackadder and uh, Baldrick, you know, stays consistently uh, the same between mm. the. Uh, Right, except for again, it. except for that first series where he's the, the Baldrick's the clever one, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, obviously, there's availability things because you've got the, the the Percy factor, haven't you? I mean, Percy yeah. is in some but not in others, and and mm-hmm. uh, everything like that, and almost the Prince Regent kind of replaces Percy in the third series, yeah. anyway, so as as the, as the gormless fox, <laughs> and we like a gormless fox. Oh <laughs> yes. I, I, anything that sort of sort of pricks the pomposity of the aristocracy is is, yeah. is kind of all right in these ear parts, you know. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; I'm not I'm not talking <laughs> heads on pikes or anything like no, that. No, no, but no, no. Uh, but uh, I do feel that sometimes yeah. sometimes the big knobs need taking down a peg or two. <laughs> and of course, in the uh, the the, the Blackadder Christmas Carol, we mm. have uh, the the future one. You know, the kind of the, the ah, science fiction one. We're going to and, leap straight to the future. And, and, and Hugh Laurie demonstrating his American accent that would serve <laughs> that would serve him so well in years to come. In years to come, you know, all that. There you go, house. Here it comes. Here's, here's my. Have you, ever, have you ever heard that story about the the American TV producer who was watching House and saying, "This is this is the standard of American actors that we really need to get." <laughs> it's difficult as a Brit. It's difficult to actually judge how accurate an American accent is. But I think yeah. if you get away with it for what seven seasons on American television, I think you're probably yeah. doing something more or less right. You know. The worst thing is when you get the reverse of that, and you get you get the Dick Van Dykes. <laughs> it's all it's always like co- Cockney rhyming slang that, or not quite well, co- yeah. Cockney. It's all it's all got a bit. It's all got about Dick Van Dyke. Yes. <laughs> Did you get that out of a cracker? <laughs> no, we've been watching Angel on, uh, and and you got right. James Masters with his very. Yeah. I mean, fair enough, but. Uh, yeah, there, there, I feel I feel there was a cockney because you get you get in that you also get uh, Drusilla, the the daughter of Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, who plays it with a very English accent, and it is it is. I feel the Dick Van Dyke uh, dialogue school is still out there. <laughs> <laughs> the other interesting thing I find about the opening to uh, Blackadder's uh, Christmas Carol is you get this religious thing about the nativity. Yeah. <laughs> now one of the three main themes of American television or even british television christmas episodes is you either get a nativity you either get it's a wonderful life or you get a christmas carol yep. and obviously blackadder went the christmas carol route yeah but uh, <laughs> you do occasionally get these takes on the nativity where some baby's left out in the cold or something mm. and what gets me about this is it's all about the orphanage and all the orphans dying <laughs> and being replaced <laughs> by a dog and apparently if you read around the subject apparently there is a cut line that's never been uh, repeated because <laughs> yeah. it might upset the christianity bit of it they loved it they want us to do another one at easter they want to see us nail up the dog <laughs> and apparently on first transmission that line was in but it's Ooh. never been never been seen since <laughs> so anyway obviously blackadder is is quite high on the gullible pratt stakes in, yeah. in in this episode and the opening is basically all people taking advantage of his good nature yeah. and then uh, off he goes to bed with with <laughs> with nought left of his christmas and um what happens next sandy yeah, we get the appearance of the wonderful Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Now, 
probably Scotland's finest son, given circumstances in, yeah. in recent weeks. Well, in- interesting, and we're talking about the uh, accents there. Mm. There's a series on Sky just now about urban myths okay. stories about kind of famous actors, like Hollywood stories kind of things, like the one where right. uh, Bob Dylan flew in from the States to go and meet Dave Stewart oh, right. in uh, Crouch End. So he got, Crouch got, End. He got an attack, he got in a, a horn, one of these places in kind of North London. Okay. So he got in a cab and asked, asked the taxi driver to take him to see Dave Stewart, okay. Dave Stewart of Eurythmics. Mixed tourist right, not just any old days. Well, that's that's what happened. He actually turned up at some other guy's house who was called Dave Stewart. Oh, right. And sat there waiting for him to turn up back from his work as a plasterer or whatever. Okay. And then had a chat to this bloke who wasn't a real Dave Stewart. About his Got career. Got in a taxi and went back. So the, there's a whole series of these kind of urban myth stories that are they right. true. And the, the last one was uh, Robbie Coltrane mm. playing Orson Welles. Oh, okay. When Orson Welles did a TV series for Anglia TV. How, <laughs> how true it is, I don't know. But there he is. And it must be said, Orson Welles does seem to have a slight Scottish twang to his... Uh, <laughs> To his accent. Well, he he spent so many years living away from America. Yeah, <laughs> and he was a bit of a mimic, you know. <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, so it kind of uh, story uh-huh. is he's trying to raise money to make his film instead of which he's being kind of he's in this same studio where uh, Sale of the Century is going on. So it's, it's kind of it's a it's a less than brilliant series of programs. A lot of kind yeah. of showing off stuff, but uh, that was quite one of the one of the ones that worked a bit better. So Robbie Coltrane as Orson Welles. Fair enough. One of my uh, favourite things about one Christmas I had, which on the paper might seem like a very bleak Christmas because I spent it on my own, but Arena replayed the three-part Orson Welles documentary on Christmas morning on BBC Two. Yeah. And I just sat there for three hours. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. You know? I was like, oh, this is this is Christmas <laughs> telly. But um, doesn't he appear in LA Confidential? Uh, not, I mean, an actor playing Orson Welles, isn't he? No. I, I think I think he appears in that scene in the in the bar where Lana Turner is having the uh, yeah. domestic, <laughs> but it's the actual Orson Welles when all the oh, cops right. come in to arrest yeah. everybody. <laughs> One of them is actually Orson Welles. <laughs> I know it's off topic or on topic, mm. but off 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 kind of, off kind of audio. We're meandering, don't worry. There's a a film coming. Is it a film or a series coming up on Netflix called Mank? Very soon. Well, it seems to you know. So it's a lot of, about him and the making of. Yeah. Uh, Citizen Kane. Oh, and, right. uh, it, was he the uh, was he the real genius behind? It? There's, there's so many geniuses behind that production, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's all about the photography, you know. It's all about mm-hmm. this. It's, it's interesting because it's starting to lose its status now because of, well, people just think boring black and white. I, I, I maintain it's a classic, but then again, I'm a bit old school, so yeah. Yeah, if you if you said to me, okay, we're just going to put on Citizen Kane now, do you want to mm. watch it? I'd say yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing is, of course, <laughs> when you talk about Christmas's past, weirdly, <laughs> which we kind of are yeah. in some ways, um, those are the kind of films that always, you know, like the like the Bogart films and the Sherlock yeah. Holmes films, they're, those old black and white movies only now seem to get out on the main channels yeah. at Christmas time, really. And um kind of looking forward to another another black and white season on, on <laughs> late night on BBC Two. <laughs> So it was certainly where I got, you know, my love for things like Casablanca and, yeah. um, you know, all, all the old sort of Humphrey Bogart. In a Lonely Place. Oh, right, yeah. What a great film. I also think of uh, seasons of Fritz Lang films. It can... <laughs> Either at 11 o'clock in the morning or uh, yes. 11 o'clock at night, you know. Never, never going to hate peak time TV, but... Uh... <laughs> and, and young Sandy was absolutely lapping it up back in the day. <laughs> Mind you, of course, I suppose... It wasn't black and white television then, it was just television. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Still, anyway, right. in, in, our, in, our, in our roundabout way, yeah. our Orson Welles lookalike, we, our Orson Welles lookalike of the day is Robbie Coltrane, yes. bursting through a door. Uh, yes, so good, good old Robbie is uh, pretty much playing himself, because he, he was kind of... This would have been about the era of Tutti Frutti and Cracker, yes. wouldn't it? Yes. More or less. Mm-hmm. Or was Cracker slightly after that? Yeah, I think Cracker is after that. Yeah, I, I was just, I was just, yeah, just thinking about Tutti Frutti the other day because, uh, yeah, Morris Rove's died recently. As yes, well, didn't he? he did. And there were two series done by John Byrne. Mm. There was the uh, Tutti Frutti, which was incredibly successful. 
mm. and in the uh, the slightly less successful Your Cheating Heart. Oh right, okay. Which was about uh, country music, right? In Scotland. So having got uh, Emma Thompson, who wasn't really a particularly big star at the time for no. uh, uh, for Tutti Frutti, he then got Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Okay. So so yeah, he kind of you know he's 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 had Emma Thompson, who went on yep. obviously went on to phenomenal phenomenally good things, and uh, John Byrne then uh, gets all. Oh, ah. We'll get Tilda. This, this Tilda Swinton. She'll do for it. And excellent. So he's a bit, a bit of a star maker. He's a bit of a star maker. And right. yeah, he did, he did form a, a kind of a, a liaison with uh, mm. Tilda that went on for quite a few years. Uh, I think they still hang about together. As a... It is kind of interesting that the um, I remember it must have been about eighty-two, so it'd be about six years before this. I remember there was a Cambridge Footlights program yeah. that was on which had pretty much all of them in it mm-hmm. you know hugh laurie stephen fry that generation of cambridge footlights yeah alumni and of course uh, et was in that but interesting emma thompson is one of the few from that crowd who who didn't actually make it into blackadder it's uh yeah it's oh. kind of probably, her star was already <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so much in the ascendant um I mean, 87, uh, she did Fortunes of War, of course. So, yeah. you know, by then it was, she was already, you know, stratospheric. And, but yeah. uh, but uh, not not even a bit part in um, in the Blackadder. Yeah. Strangely enough, does she, this is one of those, again, you talk about urban myths. I've got this vague notion that, that E.T. actually turns up in the young ones somewhere, but I'm probably wrong. Yes, is she not in the universally challenged episode? Yes, I think I think she might be one of the uh, one of the contestants for scumbag college. How do you know things like that? that just... yeah. It was so, it was it was something. Um... The, the, that generation, though, really, basically, I mean, we're, they, we're still got the fallout of them today. But I mean, there were because I mean, you know, even uh, slattery and stuff like that as well. We're all yeah. among that sort of bubbling cauldron of mm-hmm. talent. And yeah. I don't, I mean, there have been other footlights programs and stuff since, but I yeah. don't really think any of them have ever had quite no. the success, quite the impact that that group did that uh, in that era. You know. Yeah. I mean, it could just be the nature of lightning in a bottle. It could just be the nature of they just dropped incredibly lucky at exactly the right time when TV commissioners were looking for yeah. this, quotes, alternative comedy. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you've got Alexi Sale down at the comedy store, you know, sort of <laughs> trying to bring down Thatcher on his own kind of thing. You've got, you've got Ben Elton, of course, sort of in orbit of that as, yeah. as a mm-hmm. phenomenal writing tour de force at that stage. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I know that he's not as well regarded these days as he no. was, but uh, in, in certain circles. But uh, but back then, the Ben Elton star was very much in the ascendant, and, and yeah. Black. I think again on the back of Blackadder, really, because yeah. I mean he 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 did sort of come in and just add all the jokes. And even Richard Curtis says, you know, he did a far better job. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I've, I'm sure I've read that he actually sort yeah. of said, "Yep, yep, I'm actually glad he took over." <laughs> It's um, yeah, we we forget sometimes. It, it's very difficult to explain how television was back then. Mm-hmm. You know, when you had four channels at that stage, yeah. and it's very it's very difficult for people to explain that. And even I think by eighty eight, I would have had a video machine, but that, yeah. I was very 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 early days, and and before that, really, it just it was on, and you watched it, and if you missed it, you were waiting yeah. for the repeat. Yeah. And Blackadder was one of those, or certainly Blackadder Two was one of those shows that people stayed home for. <laughs> yeah. Or, or at least got someone to tape it for <laughs> them. I have a, a a very a very strange memory. It may well have been a Christmas party. Let's keep let's keep on topic. <laughs> it, 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 I remember being at a party at about two in the morning, a, a bit drunk, and somebody had recorded all of the first series of the Young Ones. Yeah. On a on a tape, and they put it in the machine in this dark room where there's loads of people falling asleep or yeah. drunk out of their brains. And oh, I got this tape. Oh, right. And he put this tape on, and. 
it's interesting that watching six of them back to back was too much for people. They found it, <laughs> even amongst the cynical youngsters that we were, yeah. we found it, it was like having your head beaten with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and I know now, now I could probably binge watch it in the afternoon and be fine with it. But then yeah. it was, it was maybe it was, it was too much, you know, too many glasses of whatever. But it yeah. just was, it was really hard to go. Oh, another one. Oh, it's four in the morning. Oh, he's putting another episode on. Oh god, you know. But that was, that for me was the first time I'd seen it since it was on because you know. Yeah. Again, phenomenal show. I mean that whole. I mean, God bless him. We do miss Rick Mail a lot, you know. But yeah. uh, strangely enough, doesn't appear in, in Christmas Carol. But um, no. But there we go. So what do we get in the Christmas Carol? Well, we don't get the medieval Blackadder. No. Mm -hmm. But we do get the Elizabethan one. Yeah. And he gets one over on Melchit with his with his his, his novelty death warrant. Yes. <laughs> Which, um, which what's, what's that line that Miranda Richards has done about, I can't possibly ignore it, oh, it will bring down the entire Constitution. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or what's to that effect. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do have a, a script book of Blackadder somewhere, but unfortunately, for some reason, the script for this isn't in that. No. At least if it is, mm -hmm. it's not in my copy. So I no. don't know. But yeah, and we also have uh, a scene which without Blackadder and without Baldrick, because okay. we have the... Uh, Queen Victoria and Prince Philip scene. Oh yes, we cut away to the palace. Yes. Meanwhile, at the palace <laughs> to, to to set up the gag about uh, uh, Prince Albert and uh, yes, yeah, so, and it's you know you think Jim Jim Broadbent, what a fantastic actor he is, you know, yeah. and and there he is like just uh, hamming it up ever so slightly. As, I love uh, Jim Broadbent. I actually, I think he's great. He he, uh, I mean. He was, again, of that era who's not too proud to do, you know, because he did a couple of things with uh, Victoria Wood as well, didn't yep. he? He was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, and again, and I mean, now, now I know he's selling carrots now, but <laughs> in, in, a, in a way not dissimilar to yourself, I believe, Sandy. <laughs> Where are you, is he wearing your cast off beard from last Christmas? <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, uh, for some reason this. You've been known for it. Uh, I've you know, done the uh, the old Father Christmas outfit, and uh, yeah, I've I've not had the call this year. Well, I don't think anybody's sitting on Santa's knee this year. Oh, that they smelt the whiskey on your breath. <laughs> the global pandemic may have put paid to my uh, my Father Christmas. Oh, it's a shame, really, because you've you've been you've been eating pies all year to get the weight <laughs> back on, haven't you? Yeah. So there we go. That's why you've got the expanding jumper on today. <laughs> one size fits all. Do you enjoy being Santa? Obviously, the real one let you do it in his name. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's kind of it's a bit of kind of improvisational theatre. You kind of uh, <laughs> you're sitting there and uh, some kid's gonna come up and you've got a few gags there, you've got a few lines, but you don't know what they're gonna say to you. No, you don't know absolutely. what they're gonna ask for, and you got to kind of react. There was one kid who said, "Are you real?" <laughs> <laughs> and you, what do you do? Poke yourself in the eye and go out. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It, it really enjoyed doing it. And Excellent. you know, the kid, the kids were all uh, suitably excited. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you, and you do that again. I would. Yep. I would have mm -hmm. if they'd given me the call. I would have been there. But obviously, uh, nobody's got the call. So no. Fair enough. Such as you know, you just them the vagaries. <sighs> Moving on with our plot. Right. Yep. What we're finding out is that our uh, Ebenezer Blackadder is he's, he's the first non-Edmund, I yes. believe, that we've mm -hmm. met. Yeah. And Ebenezer Blackadder is is starting to see that there are advantages in being a bad guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we love this plot. Taking the lesson from the little stories that oh you know he he was bad and kind of became rich through this. <laughs> Well, I, I think generally you can argue that anybody who is a multi-billionaire has probably done something wrong somewhere down the line. That's oh, I would have thought so, yeah. To somebody, somewhere. <laughs> but the uh, the interesting thing I always find is, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm a big fan of A Christmas Carol, the, you know, the Dickens. Yes. My, my personal favourite version is the Patrick Stewart version. I don't know why, I just uh, like that one. Yep. I know people like the Sim version, and I know quite a lot of them do take liberty. I mean, some people think that the definitive version is the Muppets version, which is... I am in that party, you know. Ah, yes, but then they read the book and go, but where's the other Marley brother? <laughs> 
which I read every Christmas. I'll tell you, I see that every year. It's like people go, but where's the other Marley brother in it? In the in the book? Yes, it's not. It's not. I mean, Gonzo was not <laughs> in Charles, the original book. Charles you know. Dickens. But no, I am a big fan of the Patrick Stewart version. And yeah. but the interesting thing to me is, and I genuinely get this every year, and it's it's a, a problem for me because it probably says a lot more about me than it tells you about the program or the book. But I actually. I've got a kind as a character. I prefer pre-transformation Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> I find him a bit annoying afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's not that I mean, you know. Oh yes, the good things change and everything like that. Yeah. I accept the world is a better place. But as a character, I just find him more interesting. <laughs> in when he's when he's the the yeah. rat bag, you know, rat bag Scrooge. Yeah. See, I'll, I'll throw you another one. Okay. What a wonderful life. Oh yeah. Does uh, does Putterville? What's it called? Putterville. Potterville. I could live in. Potterville. <laughs> yeah, you go. Does it? Does that? Does that look? Does that look a better place? Does that look a bit more action? You know, the pub there, yeah, with Gloria Graham slumped across the uh, yeah. the bar. That's my kind of bar. Well, to be fair, I'm not. I'm not much of a one for the social life, as you know. But um, but no, I think there are. It's interesting, actually. I, I again, we talk about Christmas traditions. It's a Wonderful Life in my house. Never the colorized version. Is there a colorized version? There is a colorized version. It's oh, not. Oh dear. It's not. I don't know whether there may, there may now be better colorized versions. But, yeah. But generally speaking, it's not. It's not massively well regarded but I mean it was kind of from the early days of mm. these things but um, hey you pay your money I always get told oh I'm not watching that it'll make me cry mm-hmm. and it is, it's it deeply moving actually it's a deeply yeah. moving film but I always say the thing about people forget about It's a Wonderful Life is that it's not a Christmas movie altogether most no. of it isn't set at Christmas no. most of it is set in, in the past you know it's 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 the story yeah. of George so you know you get you get like George's life story and it is actually an incredibly dark film mm-hmm. and you know it's a, it's very much in the in the tradition of film noir I mean I was watching that uh, series about Capra yeah. or the the five directors, yeah. um, five came back, and Capra is, is part of that. And a lot of this stuff was shaped by people's experiences in the war. But it's an incredibly dark film. And yes, the end is incredibly moving, and you, you get yeah. the, the whole thing about society pulling together to help you out when you, you, you need it most. And a beautiful, beautiful film. But uh, I think, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a film noir that just happens to get a bit sentimental at the end yeah. you know mm-hmm. Zuzu's Petals yeah you remember how old you were when you first saw It's a Wonderful Life uh, I was about 42 <laughs> no really it's, no, it's I, that. I didn't see it as a kid no. w- was it just something again people just say oh, oh, yeah, schmaltz I just, I just, or... yeah I thought I think I had the kind of the, the, the schmaltzy preconception schmaltzy view yeah. but yeah I'd be at least in my 30s before I uh, wow. before I saw it I think my brother used to watch these things he watched that in Citizen Kane and I was, I was yes. like, presumably because your brother's watching it you don't want to watch it you want to watch something else. So. <laughs> I've got zombie death killer sharks. Yeah, that's here. what it was like. <laughs> oh, no, come on. You you, you, you have since developed a yes. very good, yeah, yeah. good, good taste in movies. Yeah. You see, I, I don't mind talking about movies because actually for most of us, certainly in, in, in Telly-land, most of our experiences or first experiences of movies were on the television screen. Yeah. Whether it's the Capra season or the... Uh, Fritz, Lang you know, the se- Fritz Lang season. Fritz yeah. Lang season or the uh, the Humphrey Bogart season. That we, yeah. you know, all the, mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. I, I genuinely think that that actually staying up late at Christmas. Yeah, I, t- I tend to think of the uh, the Christmas ghost story. Yeah. Because you know, there used to be quite a few of those on, you know, just a kind of... Video. Oh, well, the night before, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very simply staged but i mean her you know you think on it, her whole idea of christmas is the victorian dickensian one isn't it it's very much that yes um, in fact i think you could almost say that if, if charles had taken out the copyright he, he'd, yeah. he'd have owned christmas yes <laughs> uh it's interesting again that whole thing about the because again you see this in in the dickens christmas carol is that the the traditional look of father christmas is is green rather than yeah red mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, and I believe that was kind of hijacked by a uh, an advertising drink, campaign. He drink, drinks company who happened to oh, have great, a cro- oh great big trucks are coming, great big trucks are coming, mm, great big yes. trucks are coming. Mm. That's it. For some people genuinely they don't believe that Christmas starts until they've seen that advert. I think uh, it's, it's weird. You spend all of November. The, the press is all about the uh, what are going to be the supermarkets Christmas adverts this year, and you think oh, yeah, that, that's God. that's it now. That's replaced the Christmas Radio Times and and what's going to be on the. Christmas Day television these days. Yeah, that, that thump of the double mm. two-week edition landed on your doorstep. Yeah, 
getting your pen out. So I've got I've got all these vandalised copies here now. <laughs> no, don't uh, mark up uh, my copy. At work, uh, I used to do a lot of work for O2. Oh, yes. And, and O2 used to always change their opening hours at Christmas, ah. you know, in terms of what the lines were open. Mm. And, you know, they would change at the last minute. And this guy had to make up a file which mapped out what their opening hours was. And he'd, he'd, okay. send, he'd send this file round for you to check that uh, uh, that it was right. So to, and it was called Frida, the, uh, the system. Frida. Frida, yeah. Spelt F R I D A. F R E D A. Oh, so it was like oh, Freda. Fle- flexible routing and I went a bit something. Scandinavian then for a second. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And to me, like Christmas is uh, the double issue of the Radio Times, and mm. Phil died. Latest copy of the Frida file. <laughs> Frida file, dear God, that'll get cut. <laughs> yeah, I, de- I definitely got this. Be very so, careful how you say Frida file. <laughs> So at one point I checked it once and it was like, uh, oh, I said that it's, you know this is going to go wrong at three o'clock because you got these mm. these files. De- you know this this department's closed and then their calls are going to go somewhere else. Mm. And it was like, uh, so just as you're sitting down to your uh, your turkey, you'd be getting the call going. They're going to the wrong place. <laughs> it used to get paid thousands of pounds for being on call on Christmas Day. This guy no. never went on call any other time. No. Uh, that was it. There was always that thing, wasn't there? I mean, uh, there was always the newsreader who got the short straw and was on. Was yeah. On. So when you when when you did watch the news on Christmas Day, which was never which was never it was never essential viewing the news on Christmas Day because it always seemed to be basically it was a five minute preview of the Queen's broadcast or whatever. It was uh, there was the Queen's speech and it was the royal family going to Balmoral. Uh, oh no, Sandringham. Sandringham. Oh, Sandringham! Oh, I, right. I just see. I, I know they go to bloody Sandringham at Christmas. <laughs> oh yes, and you'd see a car going up the road and a few people waving their little flags. Yeah, and, that's, that's so. Uh... Yeah, you sometimes got the Pope's message as well, didn't you? Yes, that was, that was it. Um... That was basically the Christmas. We could write it now. Actually, we could yeah. write the Christmas news now. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there was never any news news at christmas no unless something really horrible happened and even yeah then, and even then it's, uh, it's, oh, it's oh. kind of weird christmas telly actually i mean did yeah. you were you telly on or telly off people at christmas oh telly on telly on all day or just in the evening or... yeah pretty much all day you know yeah, you'd right. be desperately okay. so, going through the three channels as it was in those days looking for something top of the pops christmas party oh, i hated uh, christmas <laughs> i mean as a, as, a, as a man who's got very precise Eclectic. taste yes <laughs> And somewhat uh, issues the uh, the mainstream, shall we say? Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, a normal edition of Top of the Pops would have a couple of things that interested me. You know, like mm. the, the lower reaches of the charts. When it gets to the Christmas Top of the Pops, and you've got all the biggest hits of the year mm. that you'd heard loads of times mm. anyway, mm-hmm. and they were things that you didn't like. Mm. And Lots there is an argument that says that that Christmas telly needs to be unchallenging at certain times of the day. Yeah. You know, hence, hence Noel Edmonds in the morning. <laughs> Although that's basically just make you realise everybody's having a worse time than you, and to get a few people crying into their mince pies or whatever. Yeah, you, could, but... <laughs> you, could, you could be in hospital and have been visited by Noel Edmonds. <laughs> be grateful. Life could be worse. Be grateful for your blessings. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, look, Mr. Blobby's on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think there's a lot to be said for those. Knowing that people are sort of gathered as families, you want the hits of the year, really. Yeah. Because either either that, I mean, my my grandparents wouldn't have the television on at all, apart from to put the Queen on. Oh, just before very, they served very, up dinner. Very, very much the opposite of our household. Mm. Well, precisely, yeah. Get, get, I mean, some, get, get the bloody queen off, you know. Well, I used, so I actually sort of used to crave the Top of the Pops Christmas party because everybody else right. I knew had seen it and, uh, and they would, that's what they would talk about. And, yeah. and of course, it, you know, in my house, it was my grandfather would get his organ out, as it were. <laughs> he was an organist. <laughs> and, and we'd be sat there with all the bloody hits of the 30s. Oh, dear. <laughs> played on the Hammond organ. Yeah. So it was kind of, um, you know, to me it would have been, oh, great. You know. mm. uh, but then, of course, immediately the Queen had finished telling us how well off she was, mm. switch, and then we'd eat. 
Yeah. So we didn't really, we as a family, uh, I mean, for many years we stayed at my grandparents, so we didn't see any television at all no. at Christmas. And then we started mm-hmm. going there, but then coming home in the evening. So yeah. I, I, I can vividly recall watching the Morecambe and Wise and uh, the Mike Yar, you know, the, yeah. mm-hmm. and the uh, some mothers who have them and that kind. Of, we were a very BBC family. Oh think, yes, yeah. But I think you know the number. I, I think actually the the numbers for that uh, Morecambe and Wise from '76, I think it is, are still ridiculous. Yes, you know they mm-hmm. are. It's possibly still one of the the most watched programs in Britain. Yeah. Uh, to this very day, mm-hmm. and I, and I can remember. I can remember sitting. I remember sitting there as a family. But I remember us all, you know, laughing our heads off. And yeah. that's that's the genius of it, really. Because I mean, I think in in later years, sort of comedy diversified, and you, yeah. your parents' humour and your humour. But I mm-hmm. just remember for that sort of shining moment as a twelve-year-old, Morecambe and Wise. I think hit the funny bone of just about everybody who saw it. Yeah, know? yeah. It, it was like it, it 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 was for all ages. Yeah, and I think it's something like 29 million. Yeah. I mean, no wonder ITV just threw in the towel and put James Bond on again, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it used to be, it used to, used to be kind of trail beforehand what what was going to be in Morecambe mm. and Wise. But, you know, they always managed to keep things Surprises. hidden away. Like, Angela Rippon had legs. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's, it's one of those fabulous things, really, is that in that era of television where you could keep secrets, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, that's sort of something you do get quite nostalgic about. Don't get me wrong; I don't think you should necessarily. If if people want to buy soap opera magazine and find out everything that's going, I personally think, well, if you know what's going to happen, why would you watch it? But hey, you know, yeah, that's, that's just me. But um, if that's what people want to do and there's a market for it, you know, fair enough. But I just can't yeah. see the point switching. I mean, okay, you switch on Midsummer, and the, the first thing they do is tell you who did it. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> other police series are available. Yeah. Of course, that's the other thing, isn't it? Christmas and crime. There always seem to be some big crime drama yeah. special on Boxing Day or on Christmas mm. Day. You know, I mean, I know uh, Miss Marple always seemed to turn up at Christmas for a few years, and yeah. there was always, or, or Jim Bergerac would would suddenly have yeah. an extended <laughs> running time, and 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 something festive would go on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's often the way that the, these Christmas things are longer than the longer than. Oh, it's the special. Ones. Makes them special. They've got yeah. an extra budget. <laughs> It's all the stuff they would cut out of a normal episode for being rubbish. But, yeah. And they've got some tinsel and they've got some snow, you know. Yeah. See, I, it's I interesting that the very, old, last yeah. episode of, the very last episode of Shoestring is a kind of Christmas episode and it was the very last one they made. Yeah. These flawed or broken Christmas toys have been yeah. released and some and people have bought them from this local shop and some child gets injured and he's yeah. going around trying to find all of the uh, all of them. So, so again, it's become, right. it, it's very much a thing, you know. Yeah. I was digging through porridge the other day. Oh, yes. Now, four series of porridge, mm. 27, 28 episodes, and two of them were Christmas ones. Right. Well, you know how many Christmas episodes are mashed, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two-and-a-half-year police action that had, I think, I think nine Christmases. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so old uh, Harry Grout, who is surely one of the uh, the, the finest characters in uh, in porridge okay. only appeared in three episodes that is a surprise but one of them was a christmas one and he's big in the film as well yeah peter vaughn it's, it's peter vaughn and it's just like you know you, you you're thinking back to porridge and it is like mm. you know once you get beyond uh mr Mackay and mm. godber yeah but it's amazing actually porridge when you look at it in its entirety the the character sam kelly's in there yeah. Uh, you know, Bonnie Warren, and you've got Christopher Biggins as yeah. lukewarm, you know, and all these actors who, again, I mean, I think Dudley Sutton does one, doesn't yes, he? Yes, he does, yeah. Yeah, I think he's in one of the, he might be in one of the Christmas ones. So He does uh, the Desperate Hours one, I think, doesn't yeah. he? He's the one who holds them at gunpoint. Uh, but uh, Yeah, which is, yeah. They all have to do a Desperate Hours. That's the only one you have to do. The Desperate Hours has to be done at some point. <laughs> I believe they did it in uh, Steptoe as well at some point. <laughs> but yeah, I. I don't know if you remember this, but the old uh, Ronnie Barker did a, a kind of a six, a series of six pilots, oh, yeah. effectively. Yeah. And was where we got up, Clarence from, I think. Op, open All Hours was one of them as well, wasn't it? It was, yes, it was. Yeah. So they were kind of, in, in those days, they were brave enough to go, okay, have a pilot. Mm. Six and, of one or something it was called. Yeah, that's it. I was like a comedy playhouse thing where it was just like, you know, you'd kind of mm. effectively give people the chance to 
show off their chops. Yeah, as it were. To, to, yeah, to te- test drive a series and see what the see what the the genuine reaction is, not a kind of mm. not just like a, a focus group. Mm. Well, I mean, twenty thousand years of the two Ronoids actually brings us right back to where we started, you know. But uh, the interesting thing to me is about Ronnie Barker specifically, less so with Ronnie Corbett, but he, you know, obviously he had his career outside it. But the two Ronnies, do you look at Ronnie Barker in the two Ronnies and not see Fletch? Do you see Fletch as a completely different, I, almost I, I a completely do. different? I do, I do. yeah, yeah. It is, it is unusual that, isn't it? But he's so he's so much Fletch, you can't quite make the leap to him yeah. being. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Parker. <laughs> yeah. Porridge is proper, uh, very fixed location, very mm. limited number of things you can do mm. in that space. Mm. And yeah, wonderful, really good comedy. Yeah. Well, it's almost the perfect sitcom. I mean, you, you've got everybody. I mean, they, they say, isn't it, it, best sitcom situations are really about people trapped. Yeah. You know, and, and that again is why Steptoe and Son works so well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these people trapped in that relationship. Yeah. or trapped in their circumstances. But when you get the actual physically within that prison, they are, you know, to all intents and purposes, trapped yeah. and fighting against the system. And it's mm-hmm. an incredibly clever piece of television. Yeah. Strangely enough, though, the remake... Well, again, we've come back to remake. But the remake somehow didn't work as well. No. I, I, I don't really understand why that is particularly worked. And then there was the uh, the going straight one as well, wasn't there? Where, uh, the follow-up, yes. Yeah, which just didn't... It didn't. It wasn't helped by uh, obviously the uh, what happened to Richard Beckinsale. But yeah. uh, I mean, they may well have made more of them. You know, had he had he been around. But mm-hmm. uh, it was. Um, I mean, it's not. It's not terrible by any stretch. No. It's, uh, yeah. Again, uh, but uh, Porridge is is, a, is was in in one of those. Uh, you know, Prisoner and Escort was made for a comedy playhouse series as well. Was it Dick Clement and Ian Lee? Yeah, Frenet, Dick, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it was done as a one-off, and then that sort yeah. of became. Oh yeah, I remember well. Prisoner Escort. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they do now at least put it out with you know when you actually bundle it now you do you do get to see that as well you know. Yeah. So. It's kind of, it's a weird thing sometimes. I don't know uh, if you are a DVD collector of comedy generally. Not really, no, no. But uh, quite often you get strange and peculiar things where uh, the, the pilot show. Is yeah. put on the put as an extra on the final series, yeah. Which which kind of, so so prisoner and escort might turn up on the last porridge disc right, rather yeah. than the first one, mm-hmm. which I always think is kind of bizarre. It, it's it's even more bizarre with something like Last of the Summer Wine, which has got something like, I think the the box set has got something like fifty discs in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know the complete and and the actual and the actual pilot that it's based on is on something like disc 51 or yeah. something. <laughs> so you could sit through 200 and yay episodes yeah. of Last of the Night and then you get the first one. <laughs> so you have to know stuff like that. There's some very peculiar decisions made on in box sets sometimes. I was yeah. I was trying to do a, an article for some friends of mine on um, All Creatures Great and Small a yeah. few months ago and trying to track down the Christmas specials. Right. They're just not in the order of transmission. They suddenly no. go, oh, the Christmas specials are on the last disc. You think, so you've got to leap to the end of the box. You know, to find... Anyway, I suppose we should get back to Blackadder. Yes, indeed. So we have the Elizabethan, we have the Georgian sequence, which is about stealing of the present. Yeah. And we have the future. So we, we basically, uh, Ebenezer is starting to question, hold on, what's the difference? And we get the <laughs> fabulous scene in the future that you referred to earlier. Yeah. 20,000 years off the two Ronoids, notwithstanding. And um, we get <laughs> Baldrick's posing pouch. Oh, so, so not kind of uh, not comfortable afternoon viewing that, is it? <laughs> well, there's this whole thing of the future of the universe uh, being. Was it the Marmidons? Is it? Great news for the Marmidons. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's the, the good news. You know, you know, in all these ones, what the joke is going to be, mm. isn't it? But it's oh, still, yeah. but it's well, still again, funny. I think that's you get that with a lot of actual Christmas specials. Is again, it's that thing we talked about before. People when they go for a sequel, they they know what they're going to get and they like to have a spin on it. But they also want to get exactly what they've had before. Yeah. And and what I do like about if you want to get meta about that that's that future sequence 
is it is actually starting to get into the alternate realities. You know, if this happens, you get this. Yeah. If that happens, you get that. And of course, that is the essence of what a Christmas Carol is saying. You know. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. we know that ultimately Scrooge is going to die one day, but whether he mm -hmm. dies alone and unloved. Yes. Or or whether. Because you know, let's face it, he's not going to erase the writing off that stone forever. No. <laughs> he said, see, oh, I, I love to find the darkness in Christmas Carol. I think it's brilliant. And this is possibly why I like uh, Black Adder's Christmas Carol. I think yeah. it's, um, I mean, ultimately, in the end, uh, we might as well skip to the end. I don't think we're going to cover it in any more detail today. <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, because I mean the, the the spirit of Christmas has come to say oh good chap well done mate yeah and the, all the visions get visioned and uh, ultimately Blackadder decides hold on a minute if this happens I'm not going to end up ruling the universe so yeah. I better be bad and of course yeah. that all goes in the traditional Blackadder way horribly really wrong wrong yes because Queen the Victoria Queen... and uh, Prince Albert turn up mm. to make him uh, offer him fifty thousand pounds and become Baron Blackadder. Indeed. And he uh, he shuts the door in the face. So. And so his 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 next generation gets shot on Le Mans or whatever, it is. <laughs> or Passchendaele or wherever it was. But um, the fascinating thing to me about that is uh, watching it again. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like I say, I, I tend to watch it once a year. About this, well, not about this time of year. It's usually in December, to be fair. But it is, uh, but it is December, Martin. <laughs> yes, but I watched it before December <laughs> for, the, did, for, for research purposes. <laughs> did, did you ever watch, uh, you know, the uh, Jules Holland Christmas Hootenanny? Oh, where, the, uh, filmed in July. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, it's, they always pretend it's New Year, oh, yeah. and then uh, at one point, a very pissed that Stephen Tompkins gave away that it wasn't New Year. <laughs> but they just left it in because it was, it was, so, it was so funny. I, I suspect that's one of the reasons you left Scotland, because they used to cut away from that in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they once actually filmed a live New Year's programme at a hotel in Scotland. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. You know, live TV at mm. 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> On 31st of December, going into the 1st of January. <laughs> I, you know, cameras would just cut to people who were like not ready for it. And it's like <laughs> the wonderful Chick Murray at one point going to go, What? I'm getting flashbacks to uh, which is the, the Brit Awards 1988 with Mick Fleetwood and Samantha Fox. <laughs> yes. Although yeah. not, not that competent. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, live TV is really exciting, you know. But mm. yeah, there's a there's a reason why uh, certain complicated things like that <laughs> decidedly aren't live, you know. But then again, it probably made a lot of people's New Year. To be fair, yes. <laughs> As we saw people people on stage on television and in a similar state to the one we were in at the time, no doubt. <laughs> well, this is it. I think actually, you could argue that on on New Year's Eve, a lot of people really don't care as long as there's some music to dance to. Yeah. You know, and they get the countdown. They don't care what's actually going on. <laughs> you, nope. could, you could basically all be... You could just ram it in someone's front room and wallop, there you go. Yeah, there you go. But uh, do you have fond memories of Christmas at home? Yeah, I do. Do you have fond memories of Christmas telly at home, shall we say? Yeah. Christmas and New Year telly? Wow, well, when, 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 yeah, when, when, one year the television broke down. Good God, man. <laughs> you know, that way telly's just going to go... Foot, you, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that was about five o'clock on uh, on Christmas Day. So Christmas we, we, Day. We, yeah, we were forced to talk to each other for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, anybody fancy Monopoly? <laughs> yeah, I think we attempted to play some games, and it, it was it was not particularly. Not I'll get a, the piano out. <laughs> not, not a Christmas I look on particularly fondly. So yeah, I suppose no. the the beauty of the, the television was that you didn't have to argue with the rest of the family. And in those days, you couldn't even go out on Boxing Day and buy a new one. No. I think that was the days. Oh of God, we're gonna to have to talk to each other for three days. <laughs> that was the days of television being rented from mm. DER. But were you yeah. in in Scotland for all your youth, or, or until what yeah. age? Yeah, I, I left Scotland when I was twenty-one. Twenty-one. In so eighty-three. So actually, back then was was New Year the bigger deal? Yes. Right. So people really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Christmas Day happened, but it wasn't. Yeah, and when, I mean, in England it used to be Christmas Day and Boxing Day were the public holidays, mm. and in Scotland it was Christmas Day and January the 1st. 
mm. and then they had to have January the second. Yeah. yeah, then when they got an extra day, they chose to go January the second rather than Boxing Day, right. which can make the uh, this the start of the year in Scotland is very very slow. You know, because <laughs> you know, to to me, by the end of January the first, you go right. Oh, let's, get, let's get back to back to normality, and mm. you don't really want as a another day of nothingness. Do you get Christmas fatigue? Do you get oh, I'm fed up of this now. I could quite happily go back to normal. Or, yeah. Or are you? Oh, I do. No. Yeah. 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 If I could, if I could go to sleep on Christmas Eve and waking up on the second of January, I'd be. Yeah, right, interesting. I see, I see, I, again, sort of televisually speaking, yeah. the fascinating thing for me is that you get to about the 27th, the 28th, and what you start to get are last year's Christmas specials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the day is... And you actually sort of look at this and you think, I'm, uh, I'm fed up of looking at holly and turkey and yeah. tinsel. And... Well, and I, and I think, yeah, I think these days, because you're watching things under your own steam, Mm. And through your own choice, not well, what, yes, not what's not what's on telly, you mm. know. Well, actually, I've got you know a rack full of mm. DVDs, and I've got... yeah. But I maintain that is actually the there's the fatigue thing. People just yeah. want to slump on a couch and go yeah. on, yeah, and then they want to go channel, 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 channel yeah. until they find something. Yeah, they don't actually particularly want to make the effort of making a choice. Mm. I mean, I find personally, I still find that. I will watch a film that comes on the telly yeah. mm-hmm. that I've got on the shelf that I have <laughs> to, not watched in years. To, to save you from going to the shelf. <laughs> well, it's just it never would have crossed my mind to watch no. it. And then you mm-hmm. and it's sort of, I don't know, Hunt for Red October comes on or something, yeah. and I'm suddenly, oh, I've got this on. The, oh, yeah, it's quite good, this, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, Christmas films. Um, do you have any favourites? I mean, do you have any sort of tradition ones? Uh, I suppose It's a Wonderful Life is now has become a, a new... Yeah. A new tradition. I'll uh, dig that well, one. We have a, a, a strange habit this time of year, and I think it's to do with the, I don't know, the t- it is to do with the time of year, but we tend to get the old Sherlock Holmes, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce box set out. Oh, right, yeah. And give that. It's, it's some, it seems to work yeah. at Christmas. I don't know. I, I suspect when I was when I was a kid, they used to put them on at Christmas. And I was, yes. Is it, I think a lot of that comes from association. I think you do have things yeah. you associate with uh, I, I think a lot of Christmas, actually, for a lot of people, comes back to their memories of how it used yes. to be, mm-hmm. or watching things with people yeah, they used yeah. to watch. And I think a lot of it really comes down to that warm, nostalgic glow of what they yeah. used to watch mm-hmm. when they were younger. You know. Yeah, and I suppose that that kind of that Morecambe and Wise thing mm. comes back to that as well, because you remember. You as remember a kid, family, yeah, absolutely. Watching you remember it with being you, all right? together, and yeah. you know, for a lot of people that can't happen anymore or hasn't happened in a long time or their lives have changed or yeah and i, I think it does take them back to a place yeah and i think that's that is in many ways what the beauty of television can be it actually does bring families together in a mm. way and yeah. build those kind of memories in a way that somehow other things sometimes don't. it's become the way i mean obviously before television people used to find different ways of doing that yeah but i think it's become now the way people remember remember their Christmas, they remember yeah. the one the the year of you know Del Boy, no winning his yeah. millions, or mm-hmm. you know, or Frank Spencer on the roller skates, yeah. or whatever their Christmas memory or, is. Or, I mean, or they, the or the big breakup with Den and Angie and EastEnders. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, you know that again. There's a fascination for me about soap operas and why they, why they appeal to people. Yeah, is. Because the, is it just that you, you're basically seeing people having a far worse time? Than, I mean, you know, there is something in the it's going to be the best Christmas Wolford's ever had. It's become <laughs> such a bloody cliche and it never is. And it's what's going to explode. And you kind of think, how many people's Christmas involve an exploding yeah. pub? <laughs> and now we'll find out, no doubt. <laughs> Surely that, surely that's Easter because it's a long Good Friday, that isn't it? Ah, yeah. Well, Easter, Easter's now full of lovey-dovey and, la- and, and marvellous, and people just falling over with chocolate. But when we get to, if we get to Easter with this show, Sunday, <laughs> that's for another time. Anyway, one last memory I wanted to give you of. of I keep, I know, we, I know, I keep trying to bring us back to this subject. I apologise profusely for anybody who's tuning in for an incisive view of, of Blackadder's Christmas Carol. You're not going to get that today. We've we've sort of gone round the houses as we all. Always will. Sorry, can, and, can, sorry. Can I, can I advertise the DVD that I've got for sale now? <laughs> 
Oh, so you're not going to watch it again? Oh, that's a shame. The thing that I was going to say about it is that there's an episode in, I think it's Blackout the Third, where he ends up with a big chicken on his head or a big turkey on his head. At least I, this may be false memory because I thought that's how this one finished. <laughs> and I was watching it going, where's the, where's the massive turkey on someone's head? And it just stops. And I thought, but anyway, yeah. Uh, would, so you wouldn't recommend it then? You wouldn't want to watch it again? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it again. No doubt. Yes. Even, even though I'm, I'm costing you a fortune every time I suggest <laughs> we watch something. No, I thought it was on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's no, it's no on the iPlayer. So we can, uh, we can go through, uh, Brilliant. All so we all might all yet all still be able to do that tweet along, even though we'll have to save all the <laughs> comments till next year. <laughs> oh, best laid plans. Anyway, thank yes. you for that, Sandy. Thank you for that uh, lovely chat around and about Blackadder, or prompted by Blackadder, yeah. uh, to take us into Christmas nostalgia. I hope it gives a, a nice, well, an enjoyable episode for our listener, whoever he is <laughs> or she is. And uh, we, uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. Take care. Okay. Cheers, Martin. Bye. Bye bye. Take care. Happy Christmas. You have been listening to Vision on Sound on Fab Radio International. You can contact the programme via email on vos at fabradiointernational.com or you can follow us on Twitter at visiononsound1 or there is a blog at visiononsound.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.